Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I cannot yell about the Celtics anymore. I can't do it, so we're moving to the Red Sox. Joining me now is Tom Karen, our Red Sox insider over at Nesson. TC, it's good I was out last week because we didn't get a chance to yell about the Bruins either last week, so I got it to, uh, to avoid that one. How are you? I'm doing well. Whoever thought that the uh, the Red Sox would be the oasis of uh, happiness for Red, for Boston fans? That's right. Sox have won eight of ten. They have lost two straight. Took it on the chin last night against the Braves. It's amazing what the Braves have been able to do given all the injuries they've had. Right? They've missed multiple members of their starting rotation. The Rookie of the Year from last year, and here they are now, twenty five and eleven. And Acuna is on pace for like twenty five homers and eighty steals. It's pretty amazing what they've done. Oh, it's you know we were talking about that last night uh, after the game. Just we saw Toronto a week ago, and that's obviously a great lineup. But I, I believe the best lineup in baseball is is here in Atlanta. They've they've and there's just no layup. There's no the back end of that lineup. You know, you're talking about seven, eight, nine guys who can absolutely break. Uh, Sean Murphy is a great addition as a catcher. And and to your point, you know they've they've got two fifths of their rotation. On the injured list, one was the runner-up in the Cy Young Award last year, and the other one was the only 20-game winner in the National League. Those are the two guys on the injured list, and they've got the best record in the National League. So uh, it's they've got everybody locked up uh, on team-friendly deals for the most part, uh, and this is the team you're probably going to be watching play in Atlanta for the next six years. When we heard that James Paxton was coming back on Friday – I just assumed that either Brian Bayo is going to AAA or Nick Pavetta is going to the bullpen, and then Pavetta pitched poorly yesterday, and I thought, okay, well, maybe Pavetta is going to go to the bullpen. After the game, Alex Cora says, now we're going to run it through with a six-man rotation at least one time through the rotation here. You've told us how much he hates the idea of a six-man rotation. Why are they doing this? Well, I think for two reasons in this case. A, they want to see what James Paxton they're getting before they make any kind of move. Okay, they, he, he had the velocity at the minor league level, but if you look his last uh, his last start, he still walked four guys in five innings. So there there could be you know there, there's going to be command issues. He he drops in to to, to, to pitch Friday against the Cardinals have really struggled. I think they definitely want to get through a start, maybe even two before making any big decisions. Don't forget Whitlock isn't that far behind. I mean he's going to need some rehab time, so it's it's going to be a little bit, but he's coming. Uh, there, there will be a move. They're not going to go along with six. They have a lot of days off. We had a day off Monday, got a day off uh, tomorrow, got another day off next Thursday, the Thursday after that. Uh, lo- uh, maybe not the Thursday. Anyway, a lot of Thursdays off. And, and so um, I, I, really think, I really think they just want to see what Paxton does, and they're giving everybody another round, right? What does Bayo do? Uh, and, and if he dazzles tonight, you know, I mean, I was there last night in the post game when somebody asked Pavetta are these open auditions for the starting rotation, and he absolutely like, I don't even understand that question. Hmm. I'm a starting pitcher. I'm going to make my starts. I'm going to do it next year. Well, somebody's not going to, and there's no doubt that it's Pavetta's right there. His ERA is over six. If you go back to last July, uh, it has been a while since he has uh, any kind of uh, – we've seen the runs of success before, but it's been a while since we've seen one. And I think uh, right now, if you're asking me what I would do, Pavetta would be in You know, the Red Sox are in fourth place, which is where I thought they would be, but they're a much better fourth place team than I expected them to be. They are right in the thick of things when it comes to the playoff race here, and I know it's early to be talking about that, but it's not too early to be wondering this question. How long can you let guy? how long a leash can you give guys because... 
if Paxton isn't good in two starts, is he somebody you cut bait with or something? Because not since you are trying to win and you are in a position to do it, how long can you let guys go and just try to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, not that long because you are in this thing. So, I, you know, they're not paying. But that, I, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Paxton isn't a lot of money, right? When they, he took the team-friendly option for $4 million. <clears throat> If they had to cut him, they'd have to cut him. Or, you, like you said, if, if Bayo struggles, you can send him down. If Pavetta struggles, you can put him in the bullpen. I, I think it does change the dynamic. It's early. We know that. It's May. But it's not really early anymore. We're going to hit the quarter pole this weekend. And, and you know, the, the old – the old adage is is you you play a third of the season to figure out who you are, then you spend the next third addressing what you need uh, before you go for it. Well, we know that the Red Sox right now are good enough to flirt with the wild card. They are. And and when you're a <clears throat> quarter of the way into the season and, and you're doing that, then then you've earned the right to to play for that. You know, you you mentioned fourth place in American League East. Somebody laid it out. I was looking this morning. It's amazing. If you took the American League East and then the American League Central, it goes one through ten. Right, the, yeah. the best team in the American League Central is a game behind the worst team in the American League East, uh, and, and as the Yankees right now. So we know. I, I said in the offseason, I remember talking to Kevin Cash saying this is the toughest division in the history of Major League Baseball, and he said I absolutely agree. And and so we're seeing it. Uh, we're seeing it play out today. Um, <clears throat> it's a uh, it's the toughest division to be in, but again, you don't have to win the division. It looks like Tampa Bay is going to run away and hide. Uh, you just got to finish better than at least one other team in the division, and the Red Sox are capable of doing that. Tom Karen, Sox Insider over at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. You know, I was talking about this with Buster Olney a couple weeks ago. I wanted your opinion on it. Before the season, I thought I was going to love the balance schedule, right? Less games against Toronto, less games against Tampa, less games against the Yankees. And I still ultimately do like that. But I'm also realizing that if you got off to a poor start or a start where you're kind of mired in the bottom of the division, it's a lot harder to come back than it's used to be because you have less games against those teams. As we hit the quarter pole, where's your take on the balance schedule? Yeah, I I like it. Uh, and I like it because in this in this case, where we stand right now, the, the American League is, is so tough. And, and while you lose those four-point games in common hockey, right, the chance to make up uh, a two-game swing almost against the division, if you're in that tough a division, you get more games to go beat up. Red Sox, <clears throat> by, by <clears throat> winning percentage right now, have played the toughest schedule in baseball. And, and they've tried, you know, they haven't played Oakland yet. I mean, that's <laughs> right. There's your, there's your easy par three is, is the Oakland A's. You know, they got St. Louis coming to town. St. Louis has been awful this year. Uh, and, and so they should be able to beef up their schedule a little bit. It, it kind of the opposite of what you're saying, right? By not running mm -hmm. into Tampa Bay 19 times, you should be able to beat up and beef up your schedule. Because in the wild card era, you're competing as much against Cleveland and Anaheim and these other teams for a wild card as you are against the teams in your division. So I think you shouldn't get penalized as much for playing in a tougher division. If you're in a bad division, then the teams from the good division should get to play the teams in your division more. I, I like the schedule. I think it plays out. It is weird to be in a stretch right now where we're playing – Philadelphia, Atlanta, and and St. Louis. You know, it feels like the old days when it was a two week stretch of interleague in June, and that was the only time you played your interleague. Uh, but I, I like, you know, you're going to go to San Diego, you're going to have the Dodgers come to town. I, I like the schedule, I really do. It feels like I, I I know what makes him good, right? He goes the other way, he hits for power, he hits for average, he doesn't swing and miss, right? We know what makes Yoshida a good hitter, but how important is him being this good to this roster when we look at it. I kind of thought going into the year, rotation would be a question mark. 
bullpen would be a strength. Offense would be the swing thing. And I felt like Yoshida was a major part of that swing thing. And he has swung it in a positive direction. Do you see him having the same impact? Massive. I mean, this is a guy you went out, you spent some money on, uh, you did it quickly and you overspent according to most people. Uh, and, and he's been uh, really incredible. I mean, it ended last night, but prior to last night's game, uh, Alex Spears said, and I forget the number of swings, but he had not taken a swing and missed the ball yet in May, yeah. which is incredible. I, I think it was like 30 swings. I mean, it was an incredible number uh, that he's made contact on every swing. Now, last, first at bat last night, three swings and misses. So, <laughs> so well, welcome to the big leagues and Charlie Morton's for curveball. Uh, but it, it, the adjustments he's made, you know, facing high velocity that he'd never saw in Japan, uh, facing a changeup, everybody's got a nasty changeup with movement. Uh, that that really the the splitter is the pitch you see more of in Japan. Uh, his ability to to make those adjustments, make the pitch recognition, uh, like you said, put the ball into play in all fields, uh, and and do it all. You know, Saturday in Philadelphia, he didn't play, and and I was watching a group of six Japanese reporters log and write down every move he made on a day he's not playing. So I, I think we forget about the pressure that superstars from Japan face when they come over here because he literally has his own media contingent following him, not the team. Everything he does, he reports to them and talks to them every single day, whether he plays or not. Uh, and he's handled it. Uh, and you talk to the guys in the clubhouse, the communication's growing. They, they really enjoy him. Uh, he's been just a great addition to this team. And I love Devers in the four hole as opposed to the two hole where he was at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And having uh, having Yoshida to be that uh, quality left-handed bat in the two-hole allows them to get more RBI opportunities for Devers. You're going to laugh at me because this is a Boston sports radio type topic, but I got asked it and I started thinking about it, so now I'm going to ask you. If the Red Sox overachieve this year, if they play well and are in the race, Yoshida plays well, what does that do for the Otani sweepstakes come, uh, come the offseason? If Yoshida has a good experience and plays well, any chance uh, Otani likes Boston more than originally thought? Well, I mean, the reports are that he likes the city of Boston, right? And and he and Yoshida obviously have a uh, a relationship. They were teammates, and and they know each other well. I I don't think it would hurt, uh, I, you know. But I mean, unless Yoshida is going to you know add to the half billion dollar <laughs> uh, uh, pot of money that it's going to take to get him, I you know. I don't think it's out of the question. I, I really, truly don't. Because if, if, especially if this team is good this year, because I know Heim Bloom's plan is is to build the contender to sustain and go. But I, but, but <clears throat> everything we've seen from this organization, even the Rafael Devers deal, which was done because he was a certain age and it was three hundred million. I, I just, I, I really think they are so worried at being hamstrung by the overpriced long-term contract i just can't imagine them doing it but it, it can't hurt it can't hurt to have an ally here talking to him i guess <laughs> i knew i knew you're gonna roll your eyes. i rolled my eyes at myself asking it but yeah, i gotta ask but it's about fair. i mean and i i'm amazed by how many people even close to the team will bring that up from time to time because it is you know he is the unicorn i mean he is the one guy you could sign that immediately has everybody believe you are once again the big market overspending contender that everybody wants the Red Sox to be. TC, game time tonight is 720, 620 uh, first pitch. I've enjoyed seeing you on this road trip, by the way, be the uh, the Jemai Webster at times on this road trip. So it's been fun. It's fun. It's fun. I, I like, you know, the good thing about it, you get around the guys a little bit more. You get in the clubhouse a little bit more. You get to feel 
you know, the pulse of the team a little bit more than maybe doing studio uh, and two great cities. I mean, Philadelphia and Atlanta. I got to play some golf on the off day in Atlanta. Uh, I had not been to Truist Park. So this is the third home ballpark for the Braves that I have now covered uh, going all the way back to Fulton County. Uh, it is it is a spectacular ballpark. It is one of the best that I have been to. Uh, they've done a great job down here. Uh, and, you know, we saw this team a lot at spring training up in Northport. So it's good to see them in action because they really are one hell of a baseball team. I mean, it's uh, like I said, I'm just blown away by that lineup. And they, yeah, yeah, they've got guys sitting on a bench who would be starters in, on any other team in the National League. TC, we'll talk to you in seven days. Wow, we got through it with no Bruins and no Celtics. This was, I really enjoyed this. It's yeah. A little, a little, little peaceful baseball segment. How I needed that? I needed some relief from the Celtics, trust me. So I'll, I'll have to get back to it later. But yeah. <laughs> see, well, unlike Joe Mazzilla, we'll call a timeout now and you can take some calls on the Celtics after this. I had no problem with them not calling timeout. Oh, come on. It's come a play. On. TC, all we, we ever hear two. about the it's a player's league. It's a player's league. It's a player's sure. league. The players who have over a thousand career starts and NBA Finals appearances and conference title appearances should know to get a shot off in 18 seconds. You don't need your hand okay, held I like agree, in sixth grade. But if you're the coach, if you're the coach, see, here we, we didn't get around it without talking about something. If you're the coach, okay, you let them do that, that's fine. I'm at, but there's a, eight seconds left. They were kicking it back out the top. Clearly, they were not in sync. That's when you call the timeout. You have to call the timeout to set up the play. But when you see the play isn't working, they're going, you could see, anybody watching could see that it was a cluster and they were not getting where they want to be. You call timeout with eight, nine seconds left. You go and regroup and then you do. Well, we got Freddie Coleman of ESPN radio coming on later. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about it. He, he'll get the brunt of my Celtics rage. Again, I don't, I didn't think you had to call the timeout after the basket. I like, I really do. I, and that's his style. And I like that. Let him play. But I, I watching, the, I, I was frustrating watching them over that 18 seconds. There were two or three different times I would have screamed timeout. Let's let's regroup because it just, you know, but anyway. TC, we'll talk in seven days. <laughs> Thanks, Brandy.